This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Our last show before Christmas. Uh, we will not be here tomorrow, but uh, we are here today. We've got Dan Zampano coming up this morning. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call. 23rd day of December 2020. Appreciate a few minutes of your time this morning. Um, as I said, Dan Zampano coming up. we got a lot of NFL football to talk about. The playoffs... Uh, Situation is coming more into focus, but there are a lot of important games. There's some huge games coming up this week, so we'll get Dan's take on that coming up uh, in about a half an hour. Um, UConn women played last night, and this was their first, I guess you would uh, call it their first big test of the year. Uh, They played an undefeated Villanova team. Now, Villanova wasn't ranked nationally. They weren't in the top 25, but they still came in 7-0. You know, this is a team that had been able to play a lot of games early in the season where UConn had been shut down for a while and weren't able to play. Uh, Villanova has been rolling. So they were 7-0, and and for the first quarter and a half, it looked like the Huskies could be in a little bit of trouble. It was a, uh, a very tight game. Matter of fact, UConn trailed for the first time in the first quarter this year. Um, but uh, they got it going, a strong end to the first half. Uh, they end up winning this thing big. They end up winning it by 38. Uh, it was 42 to 29 at the half, but midway through the second quarter, this was a three-point ball game. And uh, uh, Olivia Nelson Adota, another big game, uh, 19 points for the Huskies. Uh, Paige Beckers last night, the freshman, continues to show that she belongs. Uh, she played all 40 minutes, 19 points, six rebounds, five assists, sold some popcorn, um, uh, was just, uh, huge for UConn. She's been great. Avina Westbrook, her best game since coming to UConn, uh, the transfer had 17 points last night, played 37 minutes, shot seven of 10 from the field, had eight rebounds. Anna Makara continues to struggle offensively. You know, she was, uh, somebody who came in and UConn thought that she was going to be this great three-point shooter and but you know she does other things and last night she only had three points only took five shots but she had nine rebounds a few assists a couple of steals she just you know she she finds ways to contribute um that don't necessarily uh show up in the box score um they did not have UConn did not have Aaliyah Edwards last night the young freshman uh big girl in the middle uh, a little bit of a uh a right ankle sprain. She was actually in a boot yesterday, so she sat the game out. But uh, UConn, business as usual, back in the Big East and, and whacking people again. Um, you know, and, you know, the one thing, Gino, is – and this is the, the struggle that Gino R.E.M. is going to have. He has a very talented team. Yes, it is young. I get that. 
but he's going to have to find things and try to find ways to motivate this team. And after the game last night in the press conference, he says, look, you know, he said, uh, we're a work in progress on defense. He said, he said, I know one thing, if our defense doesn't get a lot better, we're going to have to shoot 80% from the floor to beat some of these teams. Now, you know, there were some moments, there's no question, Villanova moved the ball well. UConn seemed to step slow. Um, but UConn also held Villanova to 29% shooting from the floor. 29% shooting. So you look at that, and they had 12 block shots. You know, uh, they won the battle on the boards by a lot. So you look at that and you go, what the hell is he talking about? You know, and this is part of the challenge that he has it's that I think he almost feels like he's got to find something to harp on. Look, every coach wants their team to play defense better. Defense wins championships. That's the, the old the old adage. There's no question that that is true. But, you know, this is one of these things when you watch this team, and maybe, you look, we'll learn a little bit more in UConn's next game. They have six days off, and then they have to play their best opponent of the season to date. They have DePaul coming up on the 29th. Uh, DePaul is currently ranked 18th in the country. So, you know, if there's going to be a challenge to UConn in the Big East this year, DePaul is going to be it. So I want to reserve judgment on this. Here's what I know. I mean, you know, every team, it's 40 minutes long. There's a lot of possessions in the game. Teams are going to have possessions where you don't look good doing one thing or another. I don't think this defense is as bad as he thinks it is. And I, but I get where he's got to find something to harp on. It's kind of hard, you know, Paige Beckers is a freshman and it's kind of hard for him to find stuff to pick on her. You know, there are times, you know, he gets on it. Well, she, you know, she, she doesn't shoot enough. <laughs> she took 15 shots last night, but she doesn't shoot enough sometimes. Or, you know, she passes before she shoots or, you know, so it's, in a way, some of it's nitpicking, but you know, again, he's going to have to find ways to continue to push this team because that, you know, that's his coaching style. He's not just going to sit back and say, "Hey, we're pretty good. We're pretty good," you know. Be, and and his coaching style that that wanting to strive to be better all the time, even if you're playing well, you know, to find that one thing that maybe you aren't quite doing the way he would like you to do it. And, and that's what great coaches do. That's what Bill Belichick does in football. As great as those teams, those Super Bowl teams were, he always tried to find things to work on to try to make them better. And that's what good coaches do. So uh, UConn did announce a couple of changes to its schedule, and one of those is that DePaul game. That was originally scheduled to be on February 21st. So they have moved that to December the 29th. They had back-to-back games scheduled against Marquette right around New Year's. They have now moved those games, one to February and one to March. Uh, we're going to see a lot of fluid things still with the schedule for both men's and women's basketball as we go along uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, great news in college men's basketball yesterday. Uh, Keontae Johnson, the young kid from Florida, uh, was released from the hospital yesterday, 10 days after he collapsed uh, on the court at Florida State. We still don't know what happened to Keontae Johnson. What we do know is that he tested positive for the 
COVID-19 virus during the summer. And, you know, as did some of his teammates, by the way. You know, he wasn't alone. What we don't know is whether what happened to him is related to the virus. Could it have been uh, one of the side effects of this virus, which is uh, the myocarditis, the swelling um, of the heart muscle? It's It's basically an infection of the heart muscle that causes swelling. That's what shut down Eduardo Rodriguez, the pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, because he had it. And uh, they diagnosed him with the myocarditis after that, and they said, "Well, you know, you gotta, you, you can't, you know, you can't play you, it, it, because it can lead to cardiac arrest." And it is something. Myocarditis has actually been something, especially in young people, that has been shown. You know, where where young people suddenly just drop dead. It's been something similar to that. It's been myocarditis. So. We don't know whether it is related to that, but a lot of people suspect that it is. And there's a lot of coaches calling and say, hey, we need to know this. You know, now one of the things the NCAA has done is they have called, you know, with positive tests and things, they have called for a lot of testing on players' hearts because they want to make sure that, you know, if they're going to try to continue to play these seasons, that these kids are uh, being as safe as they possibly can be or they're being as protected as they can be. So we don't know whether it was that or not, but the suspicion is that it was myocarditis. Uh, but g- great news. He also put a video out yesterday to uh, to talk to the fans and thank them for, um, you know, their support and things like that. But, you know, really, really good news that uh, Kante Johnson is out of the hospital. Um, college football news yesterday. A couple of bowl games yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, the big news is, is that Auburn has found its new head football coach, and they have hired Brian Harson away from Boise State. Uh, Harson is a Boise State alum. It's a place where, you know, he was very comfortable coaching. He he has uh, been had a lot of success there. Seven years as the coach at Boise State, 69 wins, 19 losses. Uh, but he is going to, you know, and look, they've won uh, the Mountain West title um, three times. Uh, but this is the big time. He's going to the SEC, and now we're going to find out, you know, what kind of coach he really is when he has to go up against the big boys. So uh, good for him, uh, you know. And Auburn f- fired Gus Malzahn earlier this month, a guy that had a, a a winning record at Auburn. Um, excuse me, went six and four this year, but. Uh, wasn't good enough, so they fired him. So now, and, and you know what's what's kind of ironic here is Harson actually succeeded Malzahn in another job at Arkansas State back in 2013. Harson replaced Malzahn at Arkansas State when he went to go to Auburn, and now Harson, who stayed at Arkansas State just for a year, then went back uh, to his alma mater at Boise State, and now he's going to replace him again here in uh, Auburn. So uh, uh, congratulations to the to uh, to Brian Harson, But, uh, you know, this is uh, going to have to ramp it up a little bit. Uh, we did have a couple of bowl games yesterday, as I said. Um, I watched part of this one. I thought it was going to be a good game. It wasn't. Um, I thought it was going to – you know, there were going to be a lot of points scored, and there were, but BYU – 
uh, tuned up Central Florida. I thought Central Florida would give them a little bit better of a game. BYU wins this easily, uh, 49-23. to Zach Wilson uh, had a hell of a day. He threw for 425 yards, three touchdowns. He also ran for a couple of touchdowns. You know, look, he's uh, he still has eligibility at BYU, but most people think that he will probably be heading for the NFL. You know, and I don't know whether, you know, I don't know how high he'll go, you know, but you wonder, you know, you look at this and you look at the Patriots situation and, you know, is Zach Wilson somebody that the Patriots would look at if he declares for the draft? He said he's going to sit on it for a little while, um, you know, for at least till after the holidays and then make a decision after the first of the year. But uh, BYU led this 35 to 10 at halftime. They ended up with 655 yards of offense against Central Florida. Uh, Central Florida came in uh, averaging almost 400 yards passing a game, the second in the nation, but they only had about uh, just a little over 200 yards against BYU. So uh, the BYU offense, a little bit too much. And their defense, you know, wasn't great. They still gave up 411 yards of offense to Central Florida, but uh, Zach Wilson just too much yesterday, uh, accounting for five touchdowns in the win. Um, The other uh, bowl game last night, uh, Nevada, uh, beat uh, Tulane in the Potato Bowl. <laughs> and one of the most bizarre things you ever want to see, 17 seconds left in the game. The game is over, right? I mean, this is it's all over but the shouting. Nevada ends up getting a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. Why? Well, you know how they at the end of a game, you know, there's the traditional uh, Gatorade bath, you know, that a coach will get. Well, in the Potato Bowl, one of the traditions is that the coach gets a bucket full of French fries <laughs> dumped over his head and then a Gatorade bath. So Nevada did that. They hit him with the French fries and then they hit him immediately with the Gatorade. Well, here's the problem. There were still 17 seconds on the clock. The French fries were all over the field. They weren't just on the sideline. They were on the field. I mean, it, it was funny. You just watch referees were like trying to kick French fries off to the side. Now, you know, the penalty at the end of the day was meaningless, but still, it was a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct for French fries on the field. <laughs> uh, NBA started last night. Um, one good game, one not-so-good game. Uh, the first game, the Brooklyn Nets crushed the Golden State Warriors 125 to 99. But what's significant about this game, two things. Well, number one, Kevin Durant hadn't played in a year and a half. He played yesterday and he looked really, really good. He only played 25 minutes and he had 22 points. You know, I mean, this is a guy coming back from that ruptured Achilles tendon and uh, playing against his old team, Golden State. And the other significant thing, Kyrie Irving, a guy who missed uh, a good portion of last season with an injury, came back. Uh, 26 points. The Nets led this game by as much as 38. This was never a game. So the Steve Nash era in, uh, in Brooklyn starts with a blowout victory. And, uh, now the Nets will play the Boston Celtics on Christmas day. It's going to be the first regular season game. Uh, that Irving will play against the Celtics since leaving. Now, they played an exhibition game there the other day uh, in Boston. 
and uh, the Nets won that one easily. Uh, so, look, the Nets are going to be pretty good. I mean, getting Durant, if a healthy Durant, and if Irving, Kyrie Irving is healthy and is interested in playing, Nets are going to be a dangerous opponent. There's no question about it. So, uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, I watched about, well, I didn't watch the whole game last night because, to be honest with you, it was on the West Coast, so I couldn't. But I watched a good portion of this uh, Lakers-Clippers game last night. And, um, you know, there was a huge ceremony before the game. The Lakers got their rings. You know, they have a championship banner. Now, the Lakers have decided that they are not going to unveil their championship banner until the fans can return to the arena. That's kind of a nice touch. Uh, you know, and it was kind of – it was. I saw a picture this morning on Twitter and um, – you know, and kind of a one of those wide shots of the Staples Center with no fans in it, you know, and the game's getting ready to start. It's just weird, you know. But it was nice to see games yesterday in arenas, not in Orlando. You know what I mean? To, to see people playing on their home courts. No fans yet, you know, and I think there's four or five teams that are going to have fans to start. And hopefully everybody will soon. But California, uh, where the game was played last night, has been very, very slow to open things. And matter of fact, they started opening things and then closed them right back down. But uh, the Clippers last night end up beating the Lakers 116-109. to 109. Paul George uh, scored 26 of his 33 in the second half. Kawhi Leonard had 26 points last night. Um, and, and look, uh, George was really good. You know, his first game... Um, with the Clippers, 13 of 18 from the floor, including five three-pointers. And now you can say, well, okay, well, you know, the Lakers were a little bit shorthanded. Well, they had all their players, but LeBron James kind of tweaked his ankle, did not play a good part of the second half or the fourth quarter, I should say. Uh, he had 22 points. Anthony Davis had 18. Uh, but uh, uh, LeBron James... Uh, played 28 minutes. Uh, Anthony Davis played 31 minutes. And this was done on purpose. You know, Lakers coach Frank Vogel said he did it on purpose uh, just because he's trying to watch guys' minutes. You know, let's remember that it was only, what, two and a half months ago that the Lakers won the NBA championship. It was This is the shortest offseason season in NBA history, and the Lakers had to play right till the very end. So, you know, you can understand Vogel's caution here to be a little bit slow and, you know, not have guys playing 48 minutes right off the bat. Uh, but still, regardless, that's a, a good win for the Clippers last night, good way to start the season and kind of spoil ring night uh, for the Lakers. Uh, both teams will also play on Christmas Day. The Clippers will go to Denver on Friday, and the Lakers will host uh, the Dallas Mavericks on Christmas Day. Uh, Dan Zapano coming up here in uh, five minutes or so. A couple of notes out of Major League Baseball. Uh, Sam Fould was almost hired as the manager of the Boston Red Sox before they rehired um, Alex Cora. Well, that didn't work out for Fould, but now he has been hired or been promoted, I should say, to become the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, now, Dave Dombrowski was hired to run baseball operations a couple of weeks ago. You know, this is a model that a lot of teams have gone to. It used to be the general manager was the guy that made all the decisions. Well, now most teams have a president of baseball operations, which was what Dave Dombrowski is. And then uh, Fould will be the GM, so he'll kind of be uh, Dombrowski's lieutenant 
so he's 39 years old, so another young guy kind of getting into that uh, position. Uh, he has been with the Phillies since 2017. He started off as what they call the player information coordinator, whatever the hell that is. He's come up with more uh, weird titles. Uh, but uh, he is uh, he is now going to be the general manager, the guy that played in the majors for eight years, New Hampshire native. Um, so uh, uh, good for him. And, uh, look, the Phillies, Phillies have a lot of talent, but uh, they need some pitching. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether – I don't know how much latitude Fould's going to have. Dombrowski's going to pull the strings. But uh, uh, Phillies certainly uh, can use all the minds they can get and figure out ways to get some more pitching uh, into that organization because without it, they're not going to win. Uh, speaking of pitching, the New York Mets avoided uh, arbitration yesterday with Noah Syndergaard, uh, a one-year contract for $9.7 million. Um, now, Syndergaard is not even going to be ready to pitch until the middle of the year. Uh, of course, he is uh, recovering from surgery. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery, so he is hoping to be back around the All-Star break. Uh, so um, so Syndergaard's in the fold, and, and the Mets still have a lot of work to do. They have nine more players that are arbitration eligible. Uh, they have until the 15th of January to come up with contracts for these guys or, you know, it's going to go to arbitration. And, uh, and some of these guys are big names. It's not, I mean, look, they're going to be in the fold regardless. It's just a matter of how much it's going to cost the Mets. But you have to think that the Mets are thinking about this. They're in the mix for trying to get George Springer there, you know, and, uh, you know, they they have to figure out, you know, what kind of flexibility they have. They're supposedly uh, in conversations, you know, in the mix for a, a guy like Trevor Bauer. So they're, they're talking to some pretty high-priced guys, and yet they still have to figure out what they're going to pay Michael Conforto. He's not going to be cheap. Brandon Nimmo is not going to be cheap. Dom Smith is not going to be cheap. Uh, you know, so they've got, uh, nine more guys that they have to try to reach contracts with, uh, before the arbitration numbers, uh, have to be swapped. We are going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to break down all the playoff possibilities and, uh, some big games this week. And we'll see what he's got to say back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on sports country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It is 30 minutes past the hour, and uh, we are pleased to be joined by Dan Zampano. And uh, Dan was just telling me as uh, we were coming back from the break that the coronavirus, which which kind of uh, bit him in the rear end in Thanksgiving, has now bitten him in the rear end in Christmas, and you're not going to be able to come home for Christmas. So I guess I, I probably shouldn't be singing I'll be home for Christmas for you. You're stuck down in Virginia, huh? I was going to say, Michael Bublé, eat your heart out. Like, come on. Like, this is unbelievable. But you know what? We power through. We have a good time down here. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it easy. And we got plenty of football to watch. We got bowl season. And we got football on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you know what? If, if I can't come home for Christmas and you lock me in a room for 72 hours, what kind of thing would I rather have than seventy-two hours straight of football? <laughs> well, let's. We got some stuff to talk about. So yes, we do. How about this? Let's start with the surprises of last week. And you know, number one was the Jets screwing up getting the number one draft pick uh, by beating the Rams, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, "Hey, well, hold my beer." 
as they lose one to the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals. That was a game, Dan, I don't know if you listened to my show, but I said, I'm not watching this game. It's going to be a blowout. And you know what? My wife went to bed early. I said, oh, I'll watch it anyway. I'm glad I did. It wasn't a thing of beauty uh, by any means, but boy, can the Steelers be in any bigger of a free fall right now? Yeah, nobody's in a hole. I mean, you give us your shovel, man. I mean, that's basically what we need to say to the Steelers. Uh, they're mining too deep right now. It's 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 a problem. It, and you know what? It's funny that you mentioned those two games. If you look at the point spreads of those games, the Steelers were 14.5-point uh, favorites by the end when it closed. The Jets were 17.5-point underdogs right. to the Rams. In the last 25 years, the Steelers were the Steelers were the third highest spread total to lose a game outright. The Jets tied the record for the highest point spread, and since 1995, wow, uh, to win an outright game. So, and and oddly enough, you know what the other 17 and a half point spread was? No, the Patriots last year against the Dolphins in Week 17. Oh wow! So, Man. how ironic is that? So, I mean, it, everything kind of goes crazy, but, man, the Steelers, I mean, they could not get anything going offensively. The run game is just not there. Uh, you remember a couple weeks ago, I think it was on Sunday night, when, when Chris Collinsworth was talking about their weird feet uh, on, on the line, the offensive line, how they chopped their feet. It was, yeah. it was kind of a weird thing if you pick it up in the game. I don't know what he was talking about. It just looked like they were standing straight up. Standing straight up and going to and going forward on these run plays. I mean, they just can't do it. Yeah. And and relying on Ben, I mean, that really hurt them. I actually thought the Bengals would keep it close. I I had the Bengals uh, at at least covering the spread, but I did not expect them to win by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> that was unbelievable, especially with a not backup third string quarterback. Yeah, who, so, yeah, you who, know, who started, that's what's impressive to me. Well, what uh, what impressed me about him is it wasn't even his quarterback play at throwing the football. How about, you know, the 23-yard run up the middle, nobody touched him, and then there was another play late in the game. I think it was a third and three or third and four. They called a quarterback draw, and he runs and picks up another first down. So he won that game for them because, A, he third-string quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, and then – he does some things with his legs that nobody expected. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable that Ryan Finley, who had, had, had basically done nothing but perform, perform with a noodle arm for the entire, his entire <laughs> career. Uh, you know, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. As far as the Jets go, though, I mean, inexcusable loss for the Rams. Yeah. Inexcusable. Oh. You have 10 days off for a team that is 0-13. It's one of the worst teams of the last decade. And you are at home, and you get down 17 nothing to that team. Yep. I mean, that's just absolutely inexcusable with the amount of talent. The best player in football on that team could have wrecked that offense. And the Jets, God bless them, won up front. They won up front on the offensive line, and they won up front on the defensive line. Incredible, incredible job by the Jets. But I'm sure they're not so happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, does, does, I, I guess Sam Darnold now is guaranteed that he's going to continue to be the quarterback of the Jets because it means Joey Lawrence isn't coming to the Meadowlands. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's that's the way it is. Now, what the Jets have to do, though, 
the Jets have to look at this draft and they say, we have to put Sam Darnold on the draft board, basically, and say, is he better than Justin Fields? Is he better than Trey Lance? Is he better than any other option that we could possibly go after? Because if he is, there's no reason to not keep him around, build the offense around him. If he's not, there's a definite possibility that they could get a good trade value for him from somebody like New Orleans, the right. Colts, right. New England. I don't know if they would do that deal with the Patriots, but maybe. Right. There's they got to assess that specifically. You, you know, so you just brought up you know looking at the quarterbacks in the draft, and I wanted to I just kind of get your take on something. I watched the bowl game yesterday, and Zach Wilson was unbelievable. Uh, for BYU yeah. yesterday, where do you see him falling in in uh, in terms of the uh, the NFL draft if he decides to come out? Well, it's kind of hard to assess at this point. I think a lot of people have speculated that he would go in the first round, but the problem is there's so many quarterbacks right. out there. Right. That we, I think we really all need to see them on the field together, kind of you know seeing those traits, seeing pro days. I would suspect that Zach Wilson is probably somewhere in the third to fourth to fifth area uh, behind Fields and Lawrence. Yep. And then you've got probably Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Right. Uh, and, and then we're going to see what he's – I think I would put him in the Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson. He might be a better version of those of those guys. He's definitely got more athletic ability. Okay. But, you know, I think he's got some swagger to him. I think he's got a, I think he's got a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him, not, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that he kind of carries himself right. in a little bit of that way. I, I, and he's also very athletic and bigger than him. So I would be interested in Zach Wilson maybe middle or end of the first round, and I wonder who picks there. So, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> actually, I, yeah, I don't that, know. Would be, that would be an interesting spot. Um, all right, let's get uh, let's let's start looking at the playoff picture. We have so many games coming up in the next two weeks that are going to be absolutely huge. Let's start off obviously in the in the AFC. Uh, the path is clear now that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the number one seed, uh, and Pittsburgh right now is just got to pray they don't end up a wild card. But that is a very, very real possibility right now with Pittsburgh coming up with a huge game this week against Indianapolis. Cleveland's got a game, a winnable game, obviously, against the Jets, although one never knows. But right now it's looking like Kansas City and Buffalo are going to be the two teams that are probably going to get uh, that that bye, don't they? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, only Kansas City will get the bye this year. Because oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about the, that's um, right, the extra team. Right. So so basically, I'm going to be interested in this. Are teams really going to be playing a lot for home field advantage? I just don't know because there really isn't a home field advantage this year in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you don't have to travel and all that, but I mean, I'm just not so sure how much that's going to be I'll, factored into teams' decisions. I'll, I, I, well, I don't know, Dan. I'll give I, you two. I'll give you two exceptions to that. There are two yeah, teams sure, that want, there are two teams that want the home field advantage in the worst way: the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers only because mm. because of the weather. If you can bring a yeah. team from from the south to have to play in Buffalo or to have to play in Green Bay, fans are no fans and there'll be limited fans, but you know, I would think those teams in the northern climes are going to want the home game. 
Yeah, I'm sure they'll want chaos. I mean, Pittsburgh is another one of those that's probably going to want chaos. If they want to be up north, <laughs> right. they want to be home. Right. They're going to need it, you know, obviously. Um, but you know what? I mean, you look at some of these teams that are that are coming up. I think it's more important in the NFC because you look at a lot of the teams from out west that are competing, like the L.A.s and the Cardinals. Right. You know, those are going to be teams that are going to, not so much benefit and, and the Northern teams are going to benefit from, from them playing up North. So yeah, that's important for green Bay. Um, you know, I, I think in the AFC though, as far as it goes, I think Buffalo and Kansas city, I think you're right. Like those are the best two teams right now. I can't see Pittsburgh dropping. I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo plays new England on Monday night. You'd expect them to win, but again, you know, how much does Cam Newton play? What does Belichick do with Stidham? There's so many questions, and that's such a weird game that, you know, I wouldn't put it past New England to now try, but, you know, it's going to be a difficult game for them. And then they get Miami the last game of the year. So I feel like they probably, like, they have a little bit of a dangerous road because of the divisional games, but I feel like they probably probably are okay. Pittsburgh you got to worry about because Pittsburgh's got Indianapolis this weekend, which is right. an absolute bear of a game. And then they got the Browns. And, and you know, that's that game could be the Sunday night flex if they're not careful this weekend. I mean, the, this is a really scary situation. And wouldn't we know it? Everybody probably picked Pittsburgh to maybe be the upset team to, to win the division over the Ravens. Right. You can't even imagine. I mean, people that have the, the, the futures tickets on the Browns must be salivating right now. I mean, that would be unbelievable if the Browns end up winning the division. It's incredible. Well, and, you know, it's going to come down to what's, what's great is, you know, the NFL schedule maker has got to be thrilled because it's going to come down. There's so many races that are going to come down to the end. The Browns and the Steelers play on that last week. And and think about this. There is a real possibility that we could have a three-way tie in the AFC North because the the Ravens are going to win out. If they don't, something's wrong. They could be 11 and 5. Cleveland could be 11 and 5, and so could Pittsburgh. Well, yes, to theoretically if Cleveland were to lose out. I mean, right. Well, they would have, to, would have they would to have to out. they'd have to lose to the Jets. Or lose to the Jets, and then Pittsburgh would have to lose to them. Right. So, I don't know how. If I, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I, if you want, if you want, if you want chaos, and 2020 has been the year of chaos. I mean, there, there, there is that potential. I want to ask you who do who do you think has the upper hand in the AFC South right now? You've got Indianapolis and Tennessee, uh, both tied at ten and four. Oh God, I don't know. I mean, they both have really tough games. I would say the tougher of the games is Tennessee's this weekend going right. up to Green Bay on a Sunday night. So I put Indianapolis maybe barely ahead of them, but man, they are they are neck and neck, aren't well, they? And then they both and like, then they both play Houston and Jacksonville the last week. So I mean, that could go either way. That's that's going to be a really. really I, I suppose we'll get to that in the picks, but that's going to be. Really tough to decide that. Division. Yeah, because I mean, they could both theoretically lose this week. I mean, the Colts have to play mm -hmm. the Steelers. If the steel, well, right now the Steelers are dead men walking. But you know, <laughs> you still have to give you know Pittsburgh a chance to win that game, especially since it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, but that's that's going to be a very very difficult one. The only you know, and and the other team that I still 
I, I still can't figure them out, is the Cleveland Browns. I didn't think they were overly impressive against the Giants, but they did enough to win. Um, and and uh, Go ahead. I actually did. I, I actually thought they were really good. I, really? I, I, I know they didn't score a ton. Yeah. I, I know they didn't score a ton, but they won in a different way. They went on the road, and they played a team that has a really tough defense. Yep. That um and and you know what they took it to them and they played excellent defense and 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 that's what I needed to see from them was they needed to get a win a, a, in this game and just dominate on one side of the ball and and they did that we know they can score we know they can put up points right and and we know even that they can run the football but we weren't sure if they were going to be able to stop the Giants I, I think that was something that I wanted to see and I did and I was pretty pleased about that uh, for them. Listen, I mean, we've talked about them all year long. It's like, are they for real? You know what? I mean, I'm not all the way around on them yet, clearly. <laughs> you get close, I'm, though. I'm starting to turn my shoulder because right. it's starting to get a little cold around in my shoulder here. And, I, and you know what? I feel like I've been giving it to them. So, you know, I don't know. But I also want to see, can the Ravens, that's the team we got to talk about. I mean, the Ravens, can they make the playoffs here? And and they're going to need a lot of help from Miami. I mean, th- this is a really, really – it's going to be close. Like, it's going to be really close for those two teams. So, I, I want to see what Miami does this weekend against the Raiders, and the Ravens just got to keep on doing their thing. They've been great the last few weeks, and they've got an easy schedule. Yeah. So, uh, we got to really look at the Ravens and say, man, they're going to be close. Well, you know the Ravens – I mean, th- th- there's no way the Ravens should lose either of those last two games. So, y- you're right. I mean, no. I, it's all going to probably come down to uh, that Vegas-Miami game, and we'll get to that in a minute because that's actually the, the first game I'm going to have you pick. Uh, but, you know, it's probably all going to come down to that one because although – you know, the thing is, Miami's got a tough road because they're going to be at Vegas, but then they finish the season at Buffalo. You know, so if you're Miami, yeah. you've got you've got two tough ones. So, again, you would think that the path is pretty clear for Baltimore unless they somehow stumble against, you know, two awful teams. I don't think the path for, is clear at all because I, I think Miami could certainly beat the Raiders this weekend. And I'm not sure how much Buffalo is going to play their starters in Week 17. I mean, to me, are, are they going to play them that much? They've locked the division up, and you know, two and what's the difference between the two seed and the three seed? I mean, there really yeah. isn't much. Well, I guess it so, might, you it, know, it might it might depend then if if New England upsets Buffalo this week, then that might change things a little bit because then you're going to be looking at at home field implications perhaps if if you're not careful. Right. So, right. you know, exactly. you know, well, you know, and but the other thing that Buffalo would have to play for, Dan, you know, they'd get a home game the first week anyway, but it's whether they can get the home game the second week, you know, and I and so that they may still have something to play for. So we'll see. Um, let's move to the NFC. You want to talk about chaos? Let's get to the NFC East because <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. It's, it's the most insane, insane thing ever. Um, and look, I give Washington a lot of credit. I mean, they lost to Seattle. They should have lost to Seattle. But I thought that, you know, that Haskins did a decent job last week of keeping his team in that game. And the Washington defense continues uh, to play very well. And, and you know, look, uh, you look at Seattle's record, they are the softest 10-4 and four team I have ever seen. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they've, they, they survive on Russell Wilson, man. And they didn't really even, it wasn't even really him. It was the running game right. that they actually survived on. But I mean, uh, to me, it, it, Washington cannot sustain this. I mean, they, they, if they want to win games, they have to play offense and, and they just can't do it. I mean, you can't score 15 points on offense. You're going to need your defense to score every week. And or at least keep your opponent to seventeen, and and then pray to God. I mean, that's basically what you're doing right yeah. now. I, it, it's it's a frustrating thing to watch. But the NFC East, that's what it is. It's the beauty of it. It's a frustrating. It's it's a it's a island of misfit toys. If we can quote somebody <laughs> for Christmas season, I mean, it, that's really what it is. And so, you have now, to me, the team that just got themselves back in it, who's won the last couple of weeks. The Dallas Cowboys uh, are it, right here. I knew it was They coming. are right there. Here we go. I told you. I mean, they, listen, you're, there is a great chance they get the Eagles. They got to beat the Eagles. That's the number one thing. Right. Washington, they need Washington to lose out, which very well could happen. Washington is, is playing Carolina. That's not like a cup. That's not like a gimme. Like, it's not a gimme. Yeah. And then the Eagles. And and you, the Eagles are certainly going to be playing for something. So, you know, I whoever wins the Eagles Cowboys game, that's going to be a really interesting spot. Well, you know, uh, and well, the winner of that game, the NFC East could come down to the last week, January third at the Meadowlands, Dallas at the Giants, and that could actually could. that could actually be for the NFC East title. Um, it could. That's, ins- I mean, that's just, amazing. It's just it's just sick. Um, so the other before we get to the picks, I want to ask you: Are the New Orleans Saints going to be able to hang on to the NFC South title? <sighs> I think so. I mean, I, I this Vikings game is really, really tricky because the Vikings basically just knocked themselves out of the playoffs right. this loss on Sunday. So. Right. You know, what are they playing for? But this is kind of a revenge game for the Saints from last year. So, you know, it's so hard, this one. But the Saints look, they it's not like they didn't play. It's not like they didn't play, uh, you know, horribly. They didn't play horribly against the Chiefs. I thought they, I thought they held their own. Yeah, but right now they just seem like a. I, I, they seem like what they're doing, what they do every year, going crazy at the end of the regular season and then peaking too early. Right. And and to me, that's kind of I feel like what their fate is going to be is they're going to get a home playoff game and and maybe they even win a playoff game, but I, I I'm not so sure that I'm not so sure that they're going to be able to make a deep run with this team. It just seems like with all the injuries and Drew Brees doesn't look right. It's yeah. at least that's what it looks like right now. I don't think Tampa can catch them, but you don't, okay. uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I think Tampa, I think the saints will take care of business. I think the last couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Let's get to this week's games. Cause we, we got some good ones. And I, I said, we're going to start off uh, with that Miami game at the Raiders. Now, the Raiders are still technically alive for the playoffs, but talk about life support. They need to win them both and have everybody else like fall off a cliff. Yeah, that's basically what the Raiders are doing now. I mean, they're basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, driving the car, uh, yeah. you know, down to Death Valley. I mean, that's basically what they're doing. So, uh, to me, I this is a really hard game because, you know, one would think like you have know, Dolphins better defense, you know, Raiders better offense, you know, usually pick a better defensive team, but 
Dolphins have been kind of like fagazy a little bit this the last couple of weeks with their offense and you know, I'm not so sure they're going to just waltz into Vegas and, and, and just dominate, you know. So I, I'm going to very reluctantly pick the Raiders to win this game at home. I think you just have to – I think you have to – at some point, the Raiders have to realize, like, look, we, we have to play for pride at, at this point. We have to win a game here. And, and this could really be a, a stepping stone for us to finish, to finish the season and, and go into next year. And, and have things right. So I'll pick the Raiders to, to quote-unquote upset the Dolphins. All right, the next one I got for you is the Indianapolis Colts at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in home, at home. I'm not sure why they're favored against anybody at this point, but uh, that's that's what we got. Yeah, it just seems like they're sliding. It just seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. They have so many injuries on defense. Uh, when you do that to the Bengals, I mean, and the Bengals, the secondary was fantastic. This Colts team is really fast on defense. Uh, they're going to have to get after Rivers hard. But, but you know what? I, I just think this is one of these. This looks like a historic fall from grace. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Colts win. I think they win kind of easily, to be honest with you. Wow, easily. All right. Uh, another big, yeah, I'd, I'd say easily. All right, another big one. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, who fired their GM this week, at Washington. Mm. Washington, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, it depends. Are there going to be any strippers there for Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> or he actually pays attention? I mean, is, is, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. Well, nice you know, job. somebody had to. Nice job. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know who's playing quarterback, so I assume it's Dwayne. I'm going to assume it's Dwayne Haskins. Right. So, um, I hate Dwayne Haskins if they're playing this game, if he's playing this game. I mean, I just, they can't move the football. I mean, they just can't do it. Antonio Gibson still hurt. This Panthers defense is oddly weird. Aaron Rodgers was talking about him, them uh, on, a, on a show earlier this week and saying, like, they're one of the few teams that runs the type of defense that, that they do. So, you know, it was interesting to hear that. I think that because of mess up Haskins, I don't know how much scoring is going to be done in this game, but I'm going to take the Panthers to, to, to win in Washington. So, so far, first three picks, all three underdogs taken by uh, Dan Zampano here. Uh, all right. The next one, we have the uh, Giants at Baltimore. If the Giants, uh, you know, the Giants want to stay alive, they need to play well, but this is a, uh, a Lamar Jackson that is on a serious roll right now. Nah, he's tearing everyone one from one right now. I yeah. think that the last couple of weeks have shown like, like a, we're, we're we're ready, we're back, we're we're able to play. I think the Ravens have to just take advantage of kind of a soft schedule. This one could be close. I will say that though. I think this could be close because the Giants do handle the run pretty well. I don't think it'll be a blowout. But I do think the Ravens will, will end up winning this game. Yeah, I think the problem in this game, and I because I think the Giants' defense is decent, I just don't know if the Giants can score enough points. Right. And that's what's been impressive about the Ravens the last couple of weeks is they've kind of gotten right defensively. But I, I, I still think that they have a life in them and they're going to be playing for something. So I'm going to take the Ravens, but watch out for the Giants. All right, next one. Two soft teams trying to figure out who's going to win the NFC West. <laughs> the Rams are at Seattle. Seattle is a two-point favorite. Uh, this game, it's very 
uh, this game is tough. I mean, how can how can you how can you not get up for this game after losing to a team like that to the Rams? I mean, just right. I'm just not I'm just not so sure. I, this the Rams always play the Seahawks tough, but they already beat the Seahawks earlier this year. I just have. Look, I, I'm 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 going to be rooting for the Seahawks basically because I I have the Seahawks to, to win the division. So my my heart says Seahawks, my head kind of says Rams here. But you know what? I think I think for some reason the Seahawks randomly win. This is one of those random wins that they get over a divisional opponent that they really shouldn't be. I don't think they really should be favored in this game. Okay. But I think that's a reaction of of last week for the Rams. So. I, I think it'll be an upset. It'll be the only favorite that'll upset a team this year. That's what I'll say. Right. <laughs> the Seahawks. All right. Uh, last one. The Philadelphia Eagles are at Dallas, and the the Eagles are a one and a half point favorite on the road. Mm. Well, last time we had Ben Benucci versus Carson once. So thank God that's <laughs> good. I, uh, oh, I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, so now we get Andy Dalton versus Jalen Hurts. I think these two teams are very different. Yep. I think this could be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I just think the team. I, I think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win. I really do. I think that they're going to. I think they're going to play well enough to the point where I think their offense is clicking, and I think the Eagles are just really, really banged up on defense. They lost a lot of guys against Arizona. And I love Hertz. I think Hertz has got a great future there. But I think Dallas is just quietly, quietly maneuvering their way into a great position to, to be successful this weekend. So I think it'll be chaos. And let's go with it. Let's stick with our guns. Super Bowl, here we come. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, you know, one quick, quick aside here. You know, you were talking about the possibility of maybe the Jets trading a Sam Darnold. What about the idea that the Eagles will dangle Carson Wentz if they're going to commit to Jalen Hurts? Well, I, the problem is the the money involved. Well, that's Carson Wentz, right? Singing. I mean, it's it's like forty million dollars or fifty million dollars in that area. So, to trade him, you're just going to get pennies on the dollar for him. Uh, you'd have to do it with somebody that would be willing to trade basically nothing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you'd have to, and you'd basically be losing losing so much value. I just don't know if you could do it. But, and then the other problem that you got is is Carson Wentz going to want to stay there? He's already kind of said like I'm not really going to stay here. You'll never be a backup, so you better move me. So this is going to be a very it's the story of the off season. It's going to be what's going to happen in the quarterback room of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, I got I got a bonus game. We usually we only have you pick six, but we got a seventh one because I'm th- this one fascinates right. me a little bit. Uh, Tennessee at Green Bay, uh, Green Bay three. Yeah, please. Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, Green Bay is trying to uh, lock up the home field advantage through all the playoffs. You know, I didn't realize this. You know, all the, the times that Green Bay has gone to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, they have not had the home field advantage in NFC championship no. games, you know, and so they would like to do that this year, I would think, but this is a Tennessee team that needs this win this week. Tennessee needs it bad. I think this is going to be a really, really tightly contested game because the strength of the other's offense is the weakness of the defense. The Titans run game against the green Bay run defense. That's an advantage for the Titans, the pass offense versus the pass defense of the Titans. That's an advantage for the Packers. So I think that it's going to be a really tight contest. 
But this is prime time Aaron Rodgers on a Sunday night at home in December. I think that that is that is what's going to carry the day. And hope to God that he throws a million touchdowns in this game because somebody might have an MVP futures ticket on him. So I really would love to see him dominate in this game. Uh, I think he will, to be honest with you. So I'm going to take the Packers. And uh, I think Aaron Rodgers absolutely deserves MVP this year. And, and hopefully, I'll, and I'll be rooting for them. I'll be really rooting for them in the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers just one more time in, in that game, just, just to see it and how great he's been. You know, I think this is the first time since I've, you and I have been doing this together that I have not had you pick a Patriots game. Well, what's the what the heck? I mean, what are they going to win this weekend? Like, uh, like, come on, like, let, let, listen. Let's get them out of the way. Yeah. It's done. Let's bury them, yeah. and let's give the Bills credit for all they've done. Listen, everything's got to be overhauled. Everything's got to be overhauled. I'm glad we didn't even get to talk to them because they're a boring, nothing, lifeless team right now. Yeah, I'll second that. I'll second that. Well, listen, my friend, you have a, uh, a great holiday. I'm sorry you're stuck down in uh, Virginia, but uh, uh, I hope you have as good a Christmas as you can have being stuck down there away from family. But uh, we appreciate you coming on this week, and uh, I'll be thinking of you as uh, you are spreading the Yuletide joy watching NFL football all weekend. I'll be spreading something this weekend. Don't worry. <laughs> God bless, Gene. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you, too. All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday. No show tomorrow or on Christmas Day, but we'll be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with my favorite Christmas song. Now, it's not a country music version. We usually have country songs on, but this is a, a version by Jordan Smith, who actually won uh, the TV show The Voice, uh, singing with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. This is my favorite Christmas song. It's Oh Holy Night. Uh, have a great Christmas, everybody. We will see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.